0: leading us so wonderfully. Amen. Amen. Turn to the person next to you say, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Amen. 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 Good to see each and every one of you here today in the house of God. God has a word for you. Uh, Pastor Mike is going to come and minister the word. He is a great communicator. And he, listen, he so faithfully every Wednesday ministers to our young people Parents, if you have youth, you need to get them here. They have a fun time, they have an exciting time, always doing creative things, but when it comes down to the Word of God, they get serious and they, get a, they hear a word from God, and that's the only thing that's going to change their lives. It's the only thing that's going to keep them or help them in a sick and perverted world that we live in. We need the Word of God. So would you open up your heart and show appreciation to Pastor Mike as he comes this morning to, hear the, to preach the Word of God?
1: Thank you, Pastor. I don't take lightly, and never take lightly, the opportunity to be able to share God's word. So thank you for the opportunity, and and I prayed, and the Lord has spoken, and I believe He has a word for each one of us this morning, and I believe He wants to do something very strategic with what we are seeing happen in our region and in our nation, and. We're to a place now where America is becoming grounds for missionaries to come from the outside, inside. Because I believe God is calling us back to the basics. He's calling us back to that desperation and to that heart of worship. And for God's anointing, we know through the worship that God's presence is here. But for the Word specifically, we need to ask God to remove any barriers, any weeds that might have grown up that the enemy has planted, that would strangle things, that would steal the seed that's about to be planted. And so, Heavenly Father, right now, we pray and ask for your presence to come, for your glory to come and dwell in this place. Holy Spirit, the great helper, the one who reveals truth, we come against every seed of deception right now, and we command them to dissolve by the power blood and the authority of Jesus. Every thought, every thinking and routine that is not of you, God, we break those patterns right now. And we pray for an open channel right now in the heavens that would come down and speak to our lives. We praise you and we thank you in advance for what you will do. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. As you know, we have started a series this summer and are continuing it. And we are looking at the, the book of Psalms and, and trying to pull principles from that that we believe God will use to change our lives life and to transform and renew our minds. Amen? And so this morning, if you could just stand with me, we're going to go to Psalm 16. We're not going to look through the whole chapter, but I want to read these two verses that we're going to focus on, and I just want to give honor to God's word as we read it. So Psalm 16, and we're going to read verses 5 and 6. The Lord is my, you hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. The title of the message this morning is simply my inheritance. Amen? You may be seated. Caleb, if you could do me a favor and grab something. my, My chair is in the back of the sound booth. You know what bag it is. I want to show you something that the Lord told me to help illustrate what He wants to do. God wants to move in our region. Amen? Amen? And I believe that there are even people here who are not here by chance, but God wants to do something in you so that wherever you go when you leave here, God is going to bring what He's going to do there as well. Amen? Amen. And so I believe that God wants to break a spirit of self preservation this morning off of us. And so, thank you, Caleb. So, how many of you love to go to the beach? You go to the parks, right? One of the biggest things in selling right now are chairs. And everyone's looking for the most comfortable chair. I want to show you a chair that I found. My wife and I were walking through BJ's, and I was always looking for a chair, because you know the chairs that you buy on Amazon, where the poles are, like, this thin? And I just know by looking at it that they don't think they're not going to trust this <laughs> sitting in it. And so we were walking, and, and We walked by this display, and I found this chair that was set up, and it looked like a throne, and I went and sat in it, and it was like I knew it was the one. And I believe this morning, we're going to look into the life of David, but we're also going to look a little further back into the Old Testament, and we're going to look at people who lived a life of complete trust in Jesus, amen? Versus people who self-preserve. And what self-preservation is, is things, there's things that we do to try and get ahead of the things of God because we don't trust for the provision. And so God wants to reveal those things this morning because I believe that he has an inheritance that he wants to remind each one of us that we have. Amen? Now, whenever you get your chair or you go to the beach, everyone has their spot, right? Whether you've been going since you've been little, whatever beach it is, you have the spot. You believe that it is the best spot. And why do you believe that it's the best spot? Because it's based off your past and your experience in that spot. The funny th- that's why not everyone is in your spot. Everyone believes that they believe the best area, the best place, and what they do is they set their chair up and they sit in it week after week after week after month after year. And they believe, they take their chair and they set it in position wherever they go and they refuse to move because of the routine because they believe that this is the spot. And what the Lord was showing me is in the spiritual, we cannot live a life like this. Sometimes what we do is we want a position where we think is the best for my family, for me, for my future, my career, my position. And what God wants to do is remind you that when we fully trust in him and look to him, there will be seasons in our life that when we look at it in the natural, it's not going to make sense why God is telling us to go this direction. It's not going to look and make sense in our minds because we're, we're battling with a world system that says you've got to do A, B, and C to get ahead. But the Lord wants to remind us that we have an inheritance And no matter what it looks like when we can rely on God for everything, we have an inheritance that the enemy or the world system cannot come against. Amen? And so David says in this psalm, he says, he is my portion, my cup. And we know David's life. We see the things that he has gone through. We see the the times where God anointed him, but he didn't get to the throne yet, and there were battles to be fought. We see God bring him into the throne, makes him king, and then we see him in a season where that title was stripped away. And so no matter what happens in your life, when you are not living a self-preservation mindset, no matter what happens in your life, you have an inheritance in the things of God, and that's what he wants to remind you of this morning. Amen? God will bring you to places where in the natural it will not make sense or line up with your thinking or your preference. But the Lord says in his scriptures, he says, my thoughts are not your, my ways are not your, and it's so easy to to understand that scripture, but at the same time to live it out is something different. The Lord also says to, for us to not lean on our own understanding. He says to trust in the Lord in all that we do and lean not on our own understanding. And when we begin to live this out, you will, if you haven't already, will come to a place in your life where God will call you to go somewhere. And when you look at it with your eyes, it will not make sense, but God is doing something in you. And it's important to understand that where you position your chair determines where you're going to be. Later in life. Where you position your chair is going to determine where your children will be later on in life. Where you position yourself affects not just you. It affects your family and it affects the generations to come. Amen? Amen. And so this morning my prayer is, is that we will reposition where we are sitting. We will allow God to reprogram the routines in our life. And so how do we make this practical? I want to go into the scripture In Genesis, we're going to go back a little bit. So if you could flip with me to Genesis 13, we're going to look at two people. And my prayer this morning is that we would have the prayer of David in Psalm 16, where we would be able to stand and say, no matter what situation I am in, that the Lord is my portion, that he is my cup, amen, and that I have an inheritance in him. Genesis 13, starting in verse 8. It says, then Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen. For we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. This is important. If you have a Bible and you don't mind underlining it, I want you to underline that phrase right now. Because in order for God to begin to do things in your life, in order for you to begin to have revelation into the inheritance that God has for you, you've got to separate yourself from people who are living a life of self-preservation. Because when you are with someone who is on self-preservation self-preser- mode, then that distrust, whatever it is, is going to put, be put into you. And so Abraham, Lot was a, it was a mooch. Anyone labeled a mooch growing up? You know, there were mooches in uh, my high school and middle school. You never wanted to be that. Those are the people who when you opened up your lunch, they'd pop up and they'd make their rounds and they'd come over and try and, you know, get your fruit snacks. You know, give me a couple of those. Then you see them go to another table and let me have a few of those chips. Anyone know that title? No one wanted to be labeled a mooch. But there's a separation that must take place in our lives for us to fully trust and what he wants to do. And so it goes on to say, in verse nine, it says, is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. We are already seeing a faith that's in Abraham. When you are a self-preserver, You take what you want first. You look and see what's the best. And you're the one who jumps ahead. You're the one who grabs the best seat. You're the one who grabs the biggest portion. That is what a self-preserver does. But we are already seeing a trust that is in Abraham's life because he said, it doesn't matter what you pick. My inheritance is in God. God has promised me things that I believe. So whatever you pick, I'll walk the other way and I know God will bless me. Amen? So he gives Lot this option and look at verse 10 and it says, and Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered every, everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt and the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So listen to this. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. It is so key that we get rid of the things that cling to us that would put us in a mode that says, I have to get to this point in order to have this or obtain this. Full trust is in God means that we still work hard. We still seek out things. We, we still store up. But if, if the motive becomes where I look up and I see what I want, there will be a, a come a time in your life where those things will be taken away. Anything could happen, the stock market could crash, you lose your job, your company goes under. There was a a company that I worked for before I moved here, huge company known globally. You'd never think that they would relocate or they would, and the only problem with this company is, is their stock would only go high in certain seasons. It was a national gun company, and so to be real, when the elections would come around, If a Democrat got into the White House, the gun sales would go through the roof because it's known that with the Democratic Party, there's more of a holding on carrying and things like that. But whenever a Republican went in the office, the sales would plummet. There was a time where, I I believe it was um, President Obama, when he got in office, gun sales went to 300%. We were hiring 25 to 30 people a week. Things were flying off the shelves. And this is not a stance on Democrat or Republican. I'm just telling you that I worked for a company where you never knew if you had a job or not. There were people that I would hire that week and you would give them a badge of authority. And then the next month, you'd be taking and revoking that badge. And it was always based on the market. There are things that we have. We have jobs. We have have titles. We have positions. When we take step and ownership over it and usurp God... Anything can happen to that, and when we lose that, we feel like we've lost everything. But when Jesus is your inheritance, when you allow God to give you things and to to walk into different seasons in your life, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how the stock market fluctuates. It doesn't matter how well your company is doing. You have an inheritance with God, and he will take care of you no matter what you're going through. Amen? I don't want to be like Lot who looked up and he saw in his eyes what he thought was best. And so this morning, where you position your chair is extremely important because Lot positioned his chair, his tent, his family in a place that was not good because it would only be a matter of time where he set his chair up facing towards Sodom, which was a city that God wasn't going to destroy. If he was connected to the things of God, he would never have set his chair there. And sometimes we think we can sit on the line. We can can get as close as we can. But it wasn't for long before Lot set his chair here, outside facing it, to a point where people came to him and now he is an official in the most wicked city with his family. And instead of still leaving... He not only went from sitting on the outskirts to sitting at the gates, he made his home in the city. He brought his family into the city. And we know the rest of the story. God brought down burning sulfur and destroyed the city. There's archaeologists that have dug up and seen the charred remains of this city. So it is very crucial this morning where you position your chair. Where you position your tent. Amen? Amen? Let's look at Abraham. Verse 12 says Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now, the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The Bible is very intentional about every word that's in the Bible. These were not just sinners, these were great sinners. And look at verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him. This is important. The Lord spoke to Abraham after the separation. After we separate ourselves from people who live in self-preservation mode. It's after we do that that God will begin to speak things into your life. So once Lot separated, once that spirit of greed, once that spirit of lack of faith was separated from him, Abraham could fully receive what God was about to speak. Amen? Amen. It says, Abram settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. In verse 14, it says, And the Lord said to him, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. When we are in self-preserve mode, we only see straight ahead. We walk in a straight line and we grab what we can and we store it behind us. There's an angle that God wants you to see this morning. When we live in self-preservation, we only have one direction. But when Abraham believed in God and the inheritance that he had, he said, lift up your eyes. God spoke to him, lift up your eyes. How do we know that we're in self-preservation mode? Is when we look up and when we see the land, when we see the things that we want, and we move forward in steps in those instead of waiting for the Lord. But when God said to lift your eyes up, He said, Don't just look this way. He said, Look southward, look westward, look eastward, look everywhere. And everywhere that you touch, everywhere that you see, you will have an inheritance, not just for you and your, you, but for your families. Amen? How many of you want to know your inheritance? That it's not just directly in front of you, but everywhere you walk, everywhere that God brings you, is your inheritance in the things of the Lord. Amen? That is our inheritance. David had many great victories and he had many failures and defeats. But he could still say in this psalm that God is my portion. The world is not our portion. The world system is not our cup. It is God's inheritance in our lives that does that. And so I've learned this in my life and I'm still learning it in my life. I've gone through a lot of transitions and i remember when my mom and i were discussing about the next stages of my life when my mom adopted me the lord spoke to her and said he's going to be a pastor i didn't start walking in that until i was in my mid-20s i was looking at what i wanted i was going to school for three years for criminal justice because i thought that's a good field i'm a big guy you know, I don't have to do much. If I tell someone to pull over, they're going to pull over and so I went I went to school for that. Because I thought this would be a good this would be good for money in the bank after for retirement. We had police in my family and so God allowed me to walk 3 years of my life doing what I wanted to do, but I wasn't settled. Things weren't happening. I kept losing things. I wasn't feeling the presence of God in my life. And I remember it took a secular teacher stand up on the first day of one of my classes in criminal justice and he pointed at the classroom and he said, if you are not sure 100% that you should be in this field, leave the classroom and don't come back tomorrow. I don't know if he does that every semester. This, he was a professor in that school for 35 years. He was known to be harsh. He was known to be strict. But I can tell you, I knew that that word was for me. God used a secular man who didn't want anything to do with the things of God, to speak a word into my life. And when that seed got planted in my heart, I remember there was an assistant pastor at my church who pulled me aside because he recognized that I was lost. He recognized that I wasn't walking in the full things of God. And so he recommended a Bible school. I had only driven through Rhode Island and maybe been to one or two beaches growing up with my family. But I started researching this little Bible school in Barrington. It was kind of run down a little bit, but as soon as I went to the website, they had one little picture on it. And when I looked at that picture, something drew me to it. I went to a a campus experience, and felt the presence of God, and I came back and I told my mom, I think I have to go here. You know, unfortunately, at that time it was Zion, and it was known as a faith school. Because at that time, there was no tuition. Well, I believe that it's more of a faith school now because now you have to pay tuition. We have to have the faith for our student loans to be paid. So it's still a faith school because it went from free to now just like every other school. And I remember going there thinking and talking with my mom. We sat in the financial aid office, and we're talking, okay, I'm going into this field that people are telling you not to go in because of finances, and we're paying this much more money to go. And I remember sitting there, and we just had the faith that God will provide. It didn't make sense in the natural. It did not look like, okay, this is going to be a great thing, but I felt something in my heart. I had people around me who spoke it into me, and God began to put me on a path that even though in the natural didn't make sense, God would provide. Now, I remember stepping on campus my first semester, and what they would do is they would put you in what they called Helps Churches. So they had churches that networked with the Bible school where you were assigned to go and serve at that church, whether you liked it or not. And the rule was you would serve at that church for a semester. If you didn't like the church, then you could get out of that church and go somewhere else. And so as freshmen, you kind of get the bottom of the barrel, which means it's like the higher you are in seniority, the closer proximity the churches are so you can save on gas, But when you're a freshman, they're going to put you in the outskirts where you have to drive 45 minutes every Wednesday and every Sunday. And so I got a church that was a 45, 50-minute drive from the campus, and I had juniors and seniors telling me, you've got to get out of that church. It's an old church. They do old hymns. They have a lot of old people. The carpet is pink. And they said, it's the number one church where people would leave after the first semester. And so that's preservation because that's students coming into a campus, into a Bible school, looking with their own eyes on what they think is going to benefit them the most instead of saying, God, where do you want me? And so I had that seed spoken in. I remember the first service, I'm sitting in the chairs like this. I'm hearing songs I had never heard. People are opening hymnal books. And I remember saying in my spirit, I'm out of here after the first semester. And I remember when I drove home, the Lord spoke to me and said, did I tell you to leave that church? I said, no. He said, I've put you in a school where you have four chapels a week with four amazing worship teams a week. They fly in speakers from all over the world. And you want to complain to me that you're not going to get fed in one church. And there was such a conviction in my spirit and in the helps churches, they would assign maybe five or six people to go with you, and you would carpool. And after the end of that semester, I was the only one left traveling to that church. But the things that God did to me and through me in that church, yeah. the people that he put in my life, there was a time where because I was faithful, there got to a point where money was running out. I didn't have enough money to to do the gas, and I said, God, you've called me to this church, but I I said, I have no money. And I was driving one Wednesday night to the youth, uh, we did a youth Bible study, and I'm driving there, ready to tell the pastor that I can't serve at the church anymore because I don't have the money. And I started to doubt the things of God, I started to doubt I shouldn't be at this campus, I I started to doubt that I shouldn't be in ministry, because I said, God, if you can't even provide gas. I walked into the church, Before a a word came out of my mouth, the associate pastor brought me in and sat me down in a chair, and he handed me a white envelope. He said, the church is going to be giving you $100 every week while you serve here. (laughs) To a college student who's broke, that is like the biggest pay raise. When we do not look at the world system the way that Lot looked with his own eyes, when we trust that God will bring us through and He will provide, even if we, it doesn't make sense to us, then God will see us through and He will provide. It is about being obedient to God, not questioning, but being obedient. If God speaks something to you, when we obey, God will provide. Can I get an amen? amen. And so I met my lovely wife, who God gave me because I could not sing. And so I started a Bible study in the conference room at this church and God brought growth to it but I we I literally would speak from the Bible and I would push play on a CD and that was the worship. And so God brought Tara into my life and and it was just amazing to see God bring growth and expansion and and God was moving to a point where the college actually moved. The college moved. We got this alert saying, we have a new campus 30 miles north of Boston, and we're moving. And so what we did is we assumed, because the campus is moving, that we're going to go to another church. And so I was on the team that helped pack up, literally packed up the school, and we moved to this beautiful new campus. And so Tara and I started attending another church that was local to the college. And when we were there, we felt very unsettled. There was good preaching. It was a, the church was one of the biggest churches in the area, but we felt unsettled. And I remember the Lord saying, did I tell you to leave the church? And I said, God, we were 45 minutes away. Now it's two hours away. And I remember we were obedient to the Lord. We called up the associate pastor, and we said, we're going to come back, and we're going to continue what God started. And so every Friday, while kids would start watching movies and unwind for the weekend, we'd pack up our car. We'd drive through Boston on a Friday We'd get to the grocery store. We'd get snacks for the kids. We'd set up youth group. We'd do youth group. We'd go to church the next that Sunday, and we'd go back to school, and we did that for two years. And God did something in that. He always provided. He always raised up the bar of provision. It didn't matter how far the school was. God met our needs, even though we were further away from the school. And so you may be in a season right now where you're not feeling settled, God wants you to understand that we've got to break off that spirit of self-preservation. Amen? And so as Bible school is ending and graduation is coming upon us, you're starting to think, where am I going to serve? Where am I going to be? The church that we served in, one of the things about that church is money was not an issue. And the associate pastor at that time had an open position for us graduating from school. It was like the dream job of a Bible school student. Full-time position, benefits, you already know the people, you've been there four years, you've served, and God called us to move our chair. Sometimes when we set up in a season where we're obedient to the Lord and we get settled, some people remain there because they're too afraid to get up when God says to move again. And so Tara and I, we settled in, we knew the people, the people knew us, the youth group was growing And we just felt that stirring, where God was saying, it's time to get up. The church that we felt called to was my home church growing up. And the good thing is I went from having a full-time position with benefits, and the church that we were going to, they said, we can't pay you. We don't have the money to pay you. And so now, we're moving into another church, we're being away for four years, a lot of things have changed, but we obeyed the Lord. We picked up our chair, We picked up our tent and we moved. I graduated on a Saturday and I said, God, I need a job. I woke up Monday morning to a call from a friend of mine. And he said, hey Mike, are you home? I said, yes. He says, I work for a company. It's a delivery company, a courier company. There's a main water pipe that broke in Boston and we're frantic for workers. I need you to go rent a giant truck and I need you to drive water and soda to all the McDonald's in Boston. This was like 7 in the morning. I said, you're crazy, and I hung up the phone. (laughs) The Lord spoke to me right away, and he said, there is a job in that. Call him back. I called him back like five minutes later because he was already calling other people. And I said, I'll do it. I had never driven a truck, never mind in Boston. When he dropped me off at the Ryder rent place, it took me 10 minutes. I had to wait for him to leave because I didn't know how to start the truck. So I waited for him to leave, and I sat there. I said, God, what do I do? They had loaded all the soda in the back, and so I just figured it out. I started driving. I drove into Boston. I'm praying as I'm going down the one-way streets and the narrow streets, praying that I'm not clipping cars as I go. I get to my first spot. I open up the back of the truck, and there are stacked pallets of soda, and I'm looking, and I'm like, there's no hand truck. So I go into the manager of McDonald's. I said, you, do you have a hand truck? In my mind, I'm thinking, they must provide that. He goes, no, we don't. So I had to hand lift every pallet, moving it. And I'm driving through the night. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I get home at 3 in the morning. I still have the truck. I pull it up to my house. I park it. I go up to my bed, and I fall asleep. The next morning, my friend calls me, and he says, we realize that you didn't have a hand truck. The amount of work that you did, he goes, we apologize for that. But he said, we recognize the work that you do. We want you to come on as an independent contractor and we want to give you a local route around the city. Job provided just like that. Sometimes it doesn't make sense when God tells us to pick up and move our tent, to move our chair, to readjust. Because in my mind, if I took that position, I was thinking, God, there's, there's nothing for my future. There's no job, there's no position. But God provided every step of the way. And so we served at that church for five years. God moved. We saw the youth group grow. God was doing amazing things. Not only did he give me the job that would provide Financial security, the company that I was mentioning before was a globally known company. It was the highest paying job that I had and I had the greatest benefits. My wife worked for a great company, was making great money, had a great schedule, had great benefits. One of my, job, my dream jobs was to coach basketball and I remember I was driving and I got a call from an athletic director saying, someone gave me your name and we have a vacancy for a varsity coach basketball position. So I went for the job, and I got the job, and it was one of the greatest four years. God taught me so many things in that position, working with families, traveling with the team, and doing practices, coaching, raising people up. It was an amazing opportunity. But how many of you know sometimes you get into a season where you start to get unsettled again, right? We started to get unsettled, and a job opened, an opportunity for us to come here to Providence, and so I remember we came and we met with Pastor Richard and Pastor Lisa. And they talked to us about what God was doing here. And, and for me, this was a big move because I was moving away from my family and my friends and what I had known. I had texted a friend of mine and just asked him how he was doing. He didn't respond. But after the lunch, we got back in the car and I looked at Tara and I said, I think we have to go. She was so surprised. I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking. It was just we felt like it was time to move. Sometimes we can be obedient to God, but sometimes, I've heard this before, uh, it's called a giving hangover, where you, you obey God with something, but then all of a sudden you sit and you process and realize what you did and what you committed to. <laughs> and so we're driving back, and I'm like, we had a house that we were living in that was fully paid off. We had two jobs that were, pay- we were full-time that were working with the church that we were serving in. We had the benefits. And I said, now we're leaving And now, God, I need another job. And so, as we're driving back, I get a text from that same friend who I text on the way. And he said, I'm doing really good. I just opened a store up in Cranston, Rhode Island. This same friend told me, if you ever need a job and you work with the church, I will give you the hours that the church can't. And so, just on the drive home, I called him, I talked to him, he gave me a schedule, he said, whatever hours that you need, you fill it in, and that's the hours that we'll give you. But I remember when I went home that night, we were sleeping, and I woke up, and all of a sudden, the the best way that I can explain it is a a great darkness came over me. I was lying in bed, and I'm staring at the ceiling, and the lights were obviously off, but it was like this feeling of terror came over me. And I went down into the living room. I didn't want to wake up Tara, but I went down because I was processing what I had just done. God, I'm, I'm, I'm uprooting my chair and my family to go to a place that I've never been, I've never served in. We're leaving all of these things that, were, that we were clinging to. And I went down in my living room, I opened my Bible, and this is what I read. Genesis 15, 12. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. This was after the promises of God had been spoken over his life. There will be times in your life where you will obey God, even when you don't see the fruit, even when it doesn't make sense, and there will come a season where the enemy will come in, he'll seep into your life, into your mind, and he'll try and use that spirit of fear to put you back into self-preservation mode. We could have said, no, we're not gonna make the move until we have assurance in all of these things. But from January or February to July, because we didn't have a place to live yet, we drove from Springfield to Rhode Island every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. We worked full-time. My mom would watch our daughter and that was our life for months. But you know what was really powerful? God prepared us four years ago when the school moved and the proximity got even greater. It was a walk in the park for us. God prepares us for things. He sees beyond what we see. That's why when we take off the lenses of self-preservation and we put on the lenses of the kingdom, we are able to see to the right, to the left, behind us, up, down. That is the perspective that God gives to us when we fully trust in him. Amen? Amen? You know, for Lot, the mistake wasn't bringing his family into Sodom and Gomorrah. That wasn't the mistake. The mistake was looking up with his own eyes and positioning himself to face the city. What things in our lives have we positioned our chair to face that God is saying, this is not for you. We've got to break that self-preservation spirit and that comes by being obedient to trust God when we sense his moving. Amen? I close There's people that the Lord wants to do something very specific. One of the things that God spoke to Aaron, who was the high priest, he said to him in Numbers 18.20, you shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. Something about the life of David that is so powerful is when you're in a family and there are sons in that family in the biblical times, the inheritance started where? The oldest. You know what was really powerful about David? He had no inheritance. By the time the money got down to him, because he had many brothers, he could count on no inheritance. You know, it's very interesting when Goliath stood in front of the nation of Israel and defied God, the three oldest brothers who chose to follow Saul, cowered with Saul instead of stepping out to fight the giant. When you live a life of self-preservation, you don't want to step forward into the things of God because you're afraid of what you're going to lose. But when you trust in the things of God, you have nothing to lose. David had no inheritance, but yet in this psalm he's saying, I have an inheritance. We can say David was great and he stood up and was bold, but did you know there was something for when you killed Goliath? Saul said, you're going to get lots of money, you're going to get my beautiful daughter, and you're going to get self-tax exemption for your entire family. I don't know about you, but I think David was thinking about that when he moved forward to step in front of Goliath. Let's just be real. When you have nothing... And the king is offering you, I'll go and fight a giant. You bring a giant in front of me right now, I'll go fight him. He stood in front of Goliath. And the rewards that came was not just for him, but it was for his entire family. Isn't that powerful? Saul was the leader who should have stepped in front. And then the three oldest, who were the, they were dressed like warriors. They looked like warriors but they could not step up to the plate when it counted because I'm sure they were counting their inheritance. I'm not going to stand in front of the giant because if I die, I lose my inheritance. David steps in front of the giant because his inheritance wasn't in what his father could get him. It was in what his heavenly father could give him. He stood in front of that giant and said, how dare you defy the ranks of Israel? And he stood in front of that giant. And I believe that there is a giant that is standing over America right now. And God wants to move in the churches. And the only way that we're going to have faith enough to stand in front of the giant is to break that self-preservation spirit and look to God as our hope, amen, and as our provision. I have seen the hand of God continue to provide for my family year after year after year. I have seen my mom praying over bills every night for God to bring provision. She was a nurse, and she could have gone off and and, and rode into the sunset and built up a great inheritance, built up a great way to retire, but instead God uprooted her, and she began to adopt not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, eight children who are living in darkness, she gave up that inheritance and began to pour into us. And the Lord told me, mom, that God wants to remind you that you have an inheritance in him. We have seen God do things in the past couple years. He has opened doors for her. She has no retirement, but she's living in the place of her dreams because decades ago she said, you are my inheritance. Who's your inheritance this morning? I'd like you to stand with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. The decisions that you make right now determine where you'll be in the future. The end of the story. God says to Abraham in verse 16, I will make you your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Then he said this, arise Walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent. And he came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. This morning, before we leave, I want us to build an altar to the Lord. There are specific people that I know God is speaking to you, that God put on my heart, but I believe that this word is for all of us. In order for God to move the way that he wants to in America, in our region, we've gotta put our full trust in him. We were at a splash park many months ago with our family and I was watching our girls as they were running around and I looked behind me and um, Paul, if you could put those pictures of the curbs. I looked behind me and there were all these curbs just sitting there. And the Lord began to speak to me. In the parking lot that this splash park was in, you could see the planters had old curbs that were corroded and broken down. And the city had already began planning to pull up those curbs and put new ones in. And the lord spoke to my life he said i am doing something in america right now i am pulling up old habits i am pulling up things of religion things that have broken down and i have already marked new boundaries for the spirit to flow we want the old ways we want to do things the old way the way that we want as we look out but god is calling us to take off the glasses of the flesh the glasses of self-preservation and he wants us to put on the lenses of the kingdom. What I love about these curved is each one is already marked, and God said, "I have already marked things that I am going to do, and I am going to do it." Don't be surprised when you see people leaving, or and even there are churches where where pastors are being taken out. And it's not our place to judge, but if God wants to move, He's going to move, and He's going to remove who He needs. Saul may have been king, but he was only put as king because the nation didn't trust in God. And so that same spirit that put Saul in the throne flowed into the people. And God said enough. He's turned his heart away from me. I'm pulling him out and I'm anointing a new king, a new king who has my heart, a new king who has and knows and has an assurance in his inheritance in me. And so I believe that's what God is doing and I believe that's what he wants to do. Amen? God is moving in our nation, and we've got to allow him to pull up the old dead things that have corroded, that have fallen away. And when he puts in those new boundaries, those new channels, we're going to be able to flow and the way that we need to flow. And not only that, he's going to be able to protect because those, those old curbs protected the planters, the things that were planted. And I believe God has planted things here at Victory. I believe he's done things. We have, we have the emerging leaders. We have life groups. We have ways for us to stay connected. Where you set your chair determines not where you will be, but where your family will be. Lot lost everything. What he thought was best, he lost. And Abraham gained everything. I'm not saying that you're not going to go through seasons of deep darkness, but God is always faithful. He walks with us through the valleys. Amen? Amen. I remember when I was stripped out of my biological home to get reunited with my, my mom. They put me in a foster home for two weeks. And I remember going to bed at night thinking these are not my pillows, these are not my blankets, these are not my cups, these are not my plates. But God put a woman in my life who spoke the things of God and said, this is not your inheritance and things will change. And I remember the night that they pulled me out of that foster home, I got driven back to my home where I slept in car and race truck bed sheets and pillowcases. I had plates and cups that were mine. God is in a season where he wants to remind you that you have an inheritance in the things of God this morning. Amen? <laughs> Wale and Hannah, the Lord is doing a deep thing in your life. There are things that are going to come in this season. Snakes. I just saw snakes coming with, with venom to try and, and, and detract what God is doing in your life. But this is a new season where God is going to break off that self-preservation. There is a spirit of the enemy that's trying to get in through the the system of the world. And God is going to break that. He is going to show you that you have an inheritance in him. And so lift up your hands as we just pray. Heavenly Father, right now we pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We break off that world system, that mindset that thinks I have to get. And this is what what it has to look like. We take the lenses of the enemy and we take them under our feet and we shatter the lenses right now. And we place the lenses of the Holy Spirit over their eyes. Lord, that when they look ahead into the things that you want to do as they celebrate this unity, this joy in being married. God, that you would not allow the emotions to overtake the decisions that must take place in the weeks and months to come. God, I pray that you protect them. God, I pray that you begin to show them as you showed Abraham that you can look to the right, to the left, behind and front, wherever you walk, whatever you touch is going to be yours, not just for them, but for their offspring. And so, God, I speak that over them right now by the power blood and the authority of Jesus Christ. Is your brother here? Yeah, I want to pray for you. Just come. There's a spirit of Jonathan in you. The way that you communicated yesterday, Jonathan had a right to certain things. But he had a sensitivity for God, and so he was willing to let go of those things. And the Lord just told me that there is a season that you're going to be coming in where you are going to be a mouthpiece for the things of God. And He's going to, there's certain things. If you can put that image back up, Paul, of the curbs, he has marked something on you already. And so those curbs are still there because we just went to the splash park yesterday. But there's blueprints being done from the city where they already have a date where those old curbs are gonna get ripped out. And God God already has a date, things that he has marked in time that he's doing in your heart. And it's only a matter of time where those old curbs, those old ways, those old tabards are gonna be pulled out and he's gonna place in sharp, firm things and you're gonna know exactly where to walk when God says to walk it. And so Heavenly Father, I just pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit over this young man's life. We pray, God, that you would pull out the old corroded things, God, that the enemy has tried to use. We pray by your word that you would place in him, Lord, a desire to know your word, a desire to be hungry for the things of God. We break every distraction, every person that is in a self-preservation mode that is around him. God, we break that right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. I wanna remind you something. When David stood before the giant, it was his oldest brother who mocked him. When you stand for the things of God, the people who live in self-preservation will mock you for the things of God. Why? Because it made him look bad. He should have been the one stepping in front of the giant. But his youngest brother comes in with a bigger heart. He's not trained. He doesn't even have the armor. And so sometimes when we step forward into the things of God, those self-preservation spirits will attack you. And so right now, what I want to do is I felt like the Lord said, we have to build altars this morning. And so if you feel like, you know what, I I want to take my chair. I have it in this position. I have it in this way, and God may have you there. You may be living in obedience. So maybe you wanna say, God, I wanna live in assurance that this is where I am. Maybe some of you have positioned your chair this way and you're facing something. You haven't walked into it yet, but you're facing it, and the enemy's trying to channel you away from God's presence, and you wanna say this morning, God, I wanna have the full assurance that my chair is positioned towards the things of you. I'm gonna just ask you to come forward and just find a place at this altar. I asked the worship team to just sing a song that I just Felt was in my spirit. And we're going to sing that this morning. And I believe that God is going to begin to change the trajectory of not just your life, but of your children and of the generations to come if Jesus is to tarry. So, right now, if you need to come to these altars and you need to just get with God and you need to just hear from Him and you need to allow the Holy Spirit to say, God, I want to reposition my chair and God, I don't want to hold too fast to where I am. If you want to know that your inheritance is in the things of God, we're going to take some time, the pastoral staff, the elders, to just give time for God to speak what those needs are, to pray for you. But don't leave here this morning without building an altar to the Lord. I feel like the Lord wants to reveal the inheritance that he has in you. When you get adopted into the family of God, with that comes privileges, with that comes rights, And with that becomes a shift in the things of the past. And God wants to do that this morning. And so, Heavenly Father, as I pray, everyone in here with the sound of my voice through the live stream or in this room, I pray right now, God, that you begin to pull out the old corroded curbs. God, the things that have been broken down in our lives that are no longer useful, we ask you right now and give you permission to pull them up. Lord, you have marked and set in new curbs that have already been measured out and God, we just pray that you would begin to do that in people's lives this morning. We pray right now, God, have your way, have your way, have your way. I just still sense that there's a few more who are, who are sensing that, but you're afraid, to, you're afraid because you're, you're in a position right now where you, you're almost afraid to give it up to God because you think you're going to go into this, this place of whatever. That is a, the voice of the enemy trying to keep you in fear bound to where you are. Come forward and allow Jesus to break that spirit of self-preservation and your entire mindset will change with how you view money. It will change with how you view positions. David was anointed, but he didn't get right to the throne. There were still more tests to be had, more things to be done. There's more coming this morning. Come, Jesus wants to touch you. He wants to heal and change the trajectory of your life. Do not leave this place with your chair facing the wrong way. Holy Spirit, do it right now. You're doing it right now, oh God. Begin to break those old things. You can't put new wine into old wineskins because they'll burst. Do the new thing. We need fresh wine and we need new fresh wineskins. The old thought patterns can't hold the new things that you want to do, oh God. And so God, we ask you to do it right now. Right now. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you this morning. Just continue to keep asking Jesus to show you, to show you what needs to be uprooted. We thank you, Jesus. We pull up 10 pegs right now, oh God. There are 10 pegs that have been slammed into the ground, and we pull them up right now into the spirit, and we tell the enemy he has no more hold. Lord, we pray for freedom, freedom this morning, right now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The Lord wants to remind somebody in here of your inheritance, the things that you've prayed for, the things that God has spoken over your life. Abraham went through a dark place in his life, but God still fulfilled the promises that he spoke over him. God will bring you through that valley. He'll bring you through those dark nights where you can't sleep because of the tears and because of the pain and because of the suffering. There is deliverance on the other side. There is a fulfillment of God's promise on the other side. It doesn't matter what changes in the natural. You have an inheritance that the world system cannot take away. You have an inheritance that the enemy cannot touch. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, God. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. If you are not at these altars and you're with your family, I want you to just get with your family right now. Just get with them right now and I want you to start praying. I want you to start praying with them and asking God to break it off. Go ahead and do that right now. If you're, in, if you're standing in the chairs, if your family's not here, jump in with another group and I want you to begin to just pray and just ask God to show you your inheritance. Do that right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We break off that spirit of Eliab. The people in their lives that are mocking them for making decisions that doesn't make sense. Some of you are making decisions or you have decisions to be made that's not going to make sense financially. And so, God, we break off the spirit of Eliab and we break off the spirit of Saul and that that spirit of self-preservation that's trying to mock them to keep them where they are. We break it right now. It's broken in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. David said, he is my portion. He is my cup. I want you to begin to declare that right now. Jesus is my portion. Jesus is my cup that never runs out. That's always overflowing. We praise you, God. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Amazing love. How welcomes me the kindness of